Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 58 of the Social Liability Podcast, the podcast where we discuss those folks in our lives that violate the social contracts we all agree to live by. I am your host, the Raz Grease, with my co-host, the Buck Grundle, bringing you new and interesting stories from every corner of the internet. And Buck, you've uh, you've picked some good ones for us this week, and uh, I, I've, I've contributed one or two. Uh, of all the ones that you've picked, has any of them really stood out to you this week? No. Well, you suck. unfortunately. Well, no. I mean, I, I'm not even going to candy coat it. That was all randomonium. <laughs> I mean, like I just, I just filter through the headlines. I I share it. And then I I literally forget about it. So it's it's great. It's organic. Well, I'm kind of curious as to what your search criteria was, because we each and every week we just try to figure out a name for the episode. And this one came pretty easily in nudity, drugs, and police chases, because in each almost every story there's someone's naked. <laughs> so are you over there searching for something else and just happen to find new stories? We don't know. But let's let's start with one of the. Uh, the, the least uh, nudity-inducing stories. This is being reported by Fox 43. Uh, a petition demands equal number of hot dogs and buns sold in packages. The petition, petition says it's calling on Big Bun and Big Wiener companies to find the answer to hot dog packaging mismatch once and for all. I, I, I actually have wondered that... You know, I, I actually kind of figured it was on purpose so that you would have to buy more of one or the other. But, I mean, we've all had that problem, have we not? Where you you have like a package of 10 hot dogs and eight buns? Yeah, actually, it's frustrating as hell. Because but, cause who in the family ends up with the hot dog on white bread? Me. <laughs> Here's your Wonder Bread hot dog. <laughs> yeah, but see, I grew up in a house with 10 kids, man. So it doesn't bother me like that. Like hot dog buns for for my family was like Christmas dinner. Like we didn't buy that stuff. <laughs> so like we we ate hamburgers on white bread too. Like <laughs> I don't know why, but I just can't do it. You know, it, it just doesn't seem right. But this is being reported out of Tampa Bay, Florida. Be honest, it's something you've probably it's probably happened to you. You're shopping for a cookout at your place and when you get when you go to stock up on hot dogs, the number of hot dogs and buns isn't the same and you're not alone. Thousands of people are taking action by signing a petition calling for there to be an equal number of buns and hot dogs sold in every pack. The Heinz Ketchup Company started the Heinz Hot Dog Pact. So this is a publicity thing put out by Heinz Ketchup. Just want to make that obvious. To some fun oh. topics to help kick off your Friday. Nope, nope, we all nope. know Stop what it. hot dogs look like, right? Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> well, this morning. Uh, I hate these freaking websites that have um, news videos embedded in the print media. And this, this website has literally been up on my screen now for 20 minutes. You know, 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, it just decides to play the video as we're doing this. It just, it, it's irritating. So, sorry for that technical foul, folks. You know, first down. The petition, okay. Uh, just overnight, the petition hit 10,000 signatures. According to Newsweek, the National Hot Dog Sausage Council has the reason for the numbers. 
When hot dog buns were introduced, hot dogs were sold in varying quantities at the butcher shop. Not until 1940 were hot dog packages the way they are currently seen in the grocery store today. When manufacturers began packaging hot dogs, they chose the 10 to the pack formula. Today's hot dogs are sold most often in either 8 or 10 pound packs. But some are sold in other quantities as well. Sandwich rolls or hot dog buns most often come in 8 pack because the buns are baked in a cluster of 4 in pans designed to hold 8 rolls. When baking pans now come in configuration and allow them to bake uh, 10 or even 12 at a time, the 8 roll pan remains the most popular. The council continued to explain the Newsweek, however, to save you from the bread aisle anxiety, you may need to purchase 5 bags to the 8 to the pack buns for 10 well, Jesus Christ, we're going into high math here. <laughs> and four <laughs> ten to the pack hot dogs to break even. <laughs> so this is a publicity thing being done by Heinz Ketchup. It, it's the Heinz hot dog pack, but it is funny and it and it does you know bring a light a question that people have had for years and years. That's genius. It is that that is an app. My hat goes off to Heinz. Like well, congr- there's some there's somebody at Heinz who just made their got their yearly bonus because they came up with this viral marketing, and they didn't have to spend too much money. It it already existed. No, they're using they, they're they, using Change.org, so they're they're using a yeah a platform that's not even theirs. They had to make a couple images, so their graphics guy had had to work for a few hours, and they got a viral marketing campaign. It's hitting news sites all over the country. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but I mean, like, they didn't have to create a problem. All they had to do was just exploit one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's brilliant. I, I love viral. It is. I love viral marketing when it works. I really do. Um, there was a back in my, my favorite, like, thing of viral marketing came out in uh, for Halo 2 and Halo 2 ODST. They had. Um, this this thing called I Love Bees, and it was this hidden um, st- audio story that was hi- hidden within a website that you can only access by solving these riddles, and and there was phone numbers you had to call, and it, it was brilliant. It was brilliant, and yeah, this isn't on that level, but you know, that kind of marketing I think is just it actually gets you uh, involved as opposed to trying to go on YouTube and watch a. 60 second video but i gotta watch 45 seconds of of commercials before i can watch it i just i just think it's great that heinz is going through and and really exploiting the dichotomy of life that that most of us experience on a day-to-day basis not day-to-day i don't need that many fucking hot dogs but i mean you know in the grand overall scheme of things you know among the populace i would have to say that it is a daily occurrence Truth be told, and I, just, I, I, I hate hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, you know, but still, you know, they're just, they're taking it and they're going, how can we make a buck off of a problem that we don't have to create, nor do we have to draw too much attention to? Like you said, they just get the graphics guy and they're like, all right, dude, this is what we're going to go with. You know, they hand him the schematics. Like, they have, like, a war room meeting. There, there was something. all they got to bring in. Like, the uh, the only thing you're required to bring to that meeting is a box of fucking donuts. 
Like, yeah. stop a Panera because you don't even <laughs> – like, we don't need to bring anything to this. All we got to do is just go with it. Somewhere there is a, a, a drawing of this on a napkin, probably a Panera napkin. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's move on to ABC7 News. A police chase ends at McDonald's drive through as woman orders food in the middle of her pursuit. <laughs> Well, if she knows she's going down, she's got to get that last Big Mac in. That's that's probably what I'm going to see here. A police chase of a woman in a stolen truck ended at McDonald's drive-thru after she tried to order food during the pursuit. The chase happened around 8.45 a.m. in Worcester, Massachusetts on Tuesday. Officers got a 911 call about a stolen pickup truck in the eastern part of the city. The man that made the 911 call told officers that a woman, whom he said he didn't know, climbed into his car and drove away. He said his pickup truck had a GPS and he could see its location. Officers made their way to the area of the stolen truck, where they were flagged down by another driver, who said that their car had been hit by the truck minutes before. Uh, Joanna Gardall, 38, was identified as a person accused of stealing the truck, and officers said they found her in the stolen truck a few blocks away. Officer pro- uh, activated his blue lights and got out of the cruiser and approached the stolen vehicle. Worcester Police Department said in a statement on Tuesday, the operator drove away as the officer walked toward her. The officer got back into his cruiser and followed her at a low rate of speed, but she did not stop. Ms. Gardall began to increase her speed on Main Street and drove through red lights. The officer deactivated his lights and sirens and stopped following her for safety reasons. The woman allegedly crossed into the wrong lane and oncoming traffic, hitting a van, officer said. She backed up the vehicle at a high rate of speed and struck a cruiser behind her and knocked down and dragged one of the detail officers. Officers pursued the stolen vehicle at a low rate of speed before the pursuit was called off for safety reasons. Gardall allegedly pulled into the drive-thru at a nearby McDonald's to try to order food, but officers found her and tried to arrest her. Officers approached her in two vehicles, but she intentionally struck one of them before veering off the road and getting the stolen truck stuck in a pile of mulch that was on the McDonald's property. Officers were able to pull Gardal out of the vehicle as she fought and struggled with them during the arrest. Gardal was facing a litany of charges, including failure to stop for police, leaving the scene of an accident with personal injury, assault and battery by means of a dangerous weapon, um, malicious mischief to a motor vehicle, disturbing the peace, disorderly conduct, and use of a motor vehicle without authority, among several others. The Worcester Police Department said that Gardal will now be arraigned in court and the investigation into the incident is ongoing. I'm going to guess mental illness has a, has a, is going to be creeping up in that trial. <laughs> I, uh, Wow. <laughs> That's this this woman like she she didn't she <laughs> wow. She burnt every fucking bridge and salted the earth behind her. <laughs> she, like this could have got her banned from McDonald's. Oh my McDonald's god. Take... <laughs> That's your takeaway from this is she can't get a McMuffin. <laughs> No, I mean, like, she's, she messed up that... She pissed off everybody. Like, she, she, like in the middle of a high-speed chase... Well, excuse me. The reason why I think your mental illness thing is going to come into play is because 
the chase began at a low rate of speed. It was always at a low rate of speed. She was like, whatever. Do, 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 do. <laughs> like, she probably didn't even know that she stole the freaking truck. Like, she's probably just like, wow, something must be happening. I better slow down and let him go by me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> then she just goes to McDonald's. <laughs> Oh, it, it oh, reminds yeah. me of like back in the late eighties, early nineties, when uh, police helicopters and news helicopters really started becoming a thing, and we were getting like constant uh, live feeds of police chases in downtown L.A. And it got to the point where they they were like orchestrating you know, these chases so they could have like people down there like waving and holding up signs and everything. <laughs> They'd be driving by their buddy's house to get them on TV. And it kind of reminds me of that in a certain way. <laughs> Dude, I agree, man. Like, I remember the 20th. I remember back in the day when cops was a thing. People ate that shit up, man. News chases and police footage. Like, people were making shows off of that stuff. I liked They still cops. do. I liked cops. <laughs> I I was ambivalent. Like I'd watch it at four in the morning when I couldn't get any like Skinamax porn. You know what the funniest but... thing about cops was that when we worked in the prison system, we'd go into the housing units and they'd be watching cops. <laughs> yes, yes, they would. <laughs> it was like fifty fifty. You're gonna come in. They're gonna be watching cops. Fifty fifty. Yeah, but you, yeah, but you know what? I mean, like people put bets on that shit. Like they they turn that they turn cops into a gambling game. <laughs> like if the, I'll tell you what when I never cops saw that. came on, dude. Well, see, you know, again, I was a lot more liberal with things. But either way, man, if those tables weren't bolted to the floor, I'm sure somebody would have turned those fucking bitches over. So you wow. you, you act like that. You say that, but I I never gave a shit about gambling because you weren't going to stop it. And if they were doing it in the open, they weren't, you know, getting riled up, you know. So I, I didn't care. There was there no. Was... I'm not. It's. I was just a lot more liberal, so they were a lot more open about it around me. Well, there was one unit where I went in, and they had actually built a shoe, like a card shoe, and they had it out. And they, I walked up to them. They freaked out, like, "Oh God, he's gonna take it." I'm like, "No, I'm not gonna take it. I just want to look at it." And I looked at it. It's like this is amazing. This is cool. Give it back to him and said, carry on. And then, of course, the next, the very next person that came in was um, the captain's nephew, who was a CO, and uh, he took it and ripped it up. <laughs> I was like, you just made an enemy for life. Good job, buddy. <laughs> buddy, I'll tell you what, we could do a lot of social liability podcast episodes just based on stupid shit people have done at work. This is true. Especially stuff we've seen. <sighs> All right. So <laughs> every week when we do this uh, podcast, we also uh, stream it live on our YouTube channel. If you just search for the Mount Moon crew or search for the Social Liability Podcast, you're sure to find it. Uh, one of the things I have to do when I'm when I'm getting ready to stream is i got to find a, uh, a thumbnail image that kind of grabs your attention. This week... It's a picture of a fish. It's a picture of a fish, Buck. Because 
CNN's reporting that methamphetamine in waterways may be turning trout into addicts. Brown hey, trout. Raz. Yes. What do you call a fish with no eyes? Uh, hang on. I don't know, Buck. What do you call a fish with no eyes? Brown trout can become addicted to the illegal <laughs> drug methamphetamine when it accumulates in the waterways, according to new research. Research led by Pavel Horke, a behavioral ecologist from the Czech University of Life Sciences in Prague, set out to investigate whether illicit drugs after fish behavior at levels found in bodies of water. Found what? Alter fish behaviors. I'm sorry. The team put 40 brown trout in a tank of water containing a level of methamphetamine that was found in freshwater rivers for a period of eight weeks before transferring them to a clean tank. Then every other day, the researchers checked the trout uh, were suffering from methamphetamine withdrawal by giving them a choice between water containing the drug or water without. <laughs> a further 40 trout were used as a control group. Trout that had spent eight weeks in the water contaminated with methamphetamine selected water containing the drug in four days after moving to fresh water. Uh, this indicates they were suffering withdrawal because they sought out the drug when it became more available. The team found that the addicted fish were less active than those that have never been exposed to methamphetamine and found traces of the drug in their brain for up to 10 days after exposure. The team concluded that even low levels of the illicit drug in bodies of water can affect the animals that live in them. Drug Drugs extracted from the user pass through the sewage system and then discharge from waterways, treatment plants, and are not designed to treat that kind of contamination into waterways. Fish are sensitive to adverse effects of many neurological active drugs that, from alcohol to cocaine and can develop drug addiction related to dopamine rewards pathways in a similar manner as humans. Horky raised concerns that drug addiction can make fish spend more time around water treatment discharges, which are unhealthy for them in order to get another hit. <laughs> the freaking fish are jonesing by the pipe. <laughs> Come on, someone flush. I need my hit. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and the article goes on you know, quite a bit, but the fish are just like, dude, come on, man. I need a fix. <laughs> All I can think of is that fella who was ranting on the internet that one time about the water turning the frogs gay. What? Yeah, the, he's. I can't remember what the what the guy's name was, but he was ranting about something, some like political rant, and he's like, and now they're contaminating the water and it's making the frogs gay. He's gonna have a whole new freaking backlash because now we got what we is got it? What does a gay frog water. do? I have no idea. Like this guy was insane. Like I, I, I don't, I, I don't remember what the guy's name was. But he's like some, like he's got like all sorts of like political shows. I think he does like a political podcast. It's Alex Jones. Yeah. Alex Jones. Yes. They're turning yeah. the frogs gay. <laughs> yes. Alex Jones is gonna have a whole new freaking resurrection, man, because they really are, in fact, turning the fish into addicts. So he's going to be like, why wouldn't they turn the frogs gay? But are they gay addicts? That's the question. <laughs> well, listen, man. Meth addicts will do a lot of a lot of silly shit. <laughs> like, wouldn't, uh, 
they might not actually identify as gay, but you know, people but, do some funny things to get their fix. They may not identify as gay, but twenty dollars is twenty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, so we got a couple more stories here yet. Uh, this one's being reported by Law and Crime. Lawandcrime.com. I've never heard of this website before, but it seems to be interesting because it's covering a former Florida police officer sent to prison for forcing teens to strip and run naked to avoid arrest. Some call this uh, abuse of power, others call it creative policing. <laughs> A former police officer has been sentenced to serve 10 years in prison uh, after being convicted to offering two teenagers a stark choice. Either one, remove all their clothes and then run naked in front of him, or two, face arrest and jail time. Michael Martinez, the then 28, was convicted in October of 2019 of two counts of extortion and two counts of unlawful compensation for his actions involving Remy Riley and her then-boyfriend Kyle Schulte. The victims were both 18 when the incident occurred. A jury ultimately agreed that Martinez crossed the line from law enforcer to lawbreaker. We don't say. Of course I felt scared, said Riley, who is now in her 20s. Of course I felt intimidated. At the time, Martinez reportedly on probation at his job for the, from the Mis, uh, Misuke? I don't know. From the police department, uh, which serves the tribe of Indians of, in Florida. He was fired around one year after the incident, according to local reports. Martinez appealed, but the uh, court records indicate that the Florida's Fourth Circuit Appellate Court affirmed the conviction via a uh, terse one-page ruling, which is, essence, swatting Martinez's argument aside with zero written analysis whatsoever. Uh, Martinez was taken into custody on Thursday, July 1st. According to the arrest affidavit, the incident occurred in August of 2016, Martinez pulled over Schulte and Riley during a traffic stop in the Everglades. Martinez discovered alcohol and marijuana in the car, including a pot brownie, and offered the couple a choice, either face arrest or follow Martinez down a secluded road. In lieu of arresting them, Martinez ordered them to run naked and solicited a hand job from, name redacted, uh, the arrest affidavit. So which one was it? <laughs> the, the arrest affidavit said, Schulte and Raleigh were threatened with arrest if they did not run naked, uh, therefore they were extorted in violation of Florida law and human decency, in my opinion. Martinez made Schulte strip first, according to Schulte's testimony in trial. I was given a choice to either go to jail or run, so I took the choice to run naked. Kyla Schulte, now in his 20s, uh, said at a trial according to a local station. Then, according to Riley Martinez, uh, turned to her, ordering her to remove all her clothes. I ran in the opposite direction, holding myself, Riley testified. I ran back in the opposite direction, holding myself while I'm in the middle of holding myself. He's like, move your hands away from your body so I can see. Reports of the trial revealed that Martinez had solicited the sex act from Riley. Riley testified that the incident had taken an emotional toll on her. It was not what I wanted to do. I felt like I had no choice. At 18 years old, you don't feel like you don't feel like you should know what to do. Riley added to, while addressing uh, her shock at not quite knowing how to handle Martinez's bizarre request. I felt like that was his job to do the right thing. She concluded. At Martinez's sentencing hearing on Thursday, Schulte reportedly sat directly across from the defendant in court. 
On July 2nd, Martinez filed a motion for a post-conviction relief. The case docket doesn't indicate when a hearing on the request will be held. The police department refused Law and Crime's request for comment. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> go to jail, man. That's freaking ba- almost, that's borderline rape under the color of authority. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to agree with that one, man. That's uh, that's a pretty low low thing to do. Of course, we do know of police officers who have very similar reputa- rep- ah, reputations uh, that we've worked with in the past. And when they retired, yeah. it, we, I thought it was a travesty that they were retiring to their home as opposed to a jail. But, you know, it doesn't matter what side you're on. Uh, whether you're conservative or you're liberal, if you do not believe that some kind of police reform has to happen in this country. I think you're fooling yourself. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. It's it, it absolutely has to happen. I'm all for, you know, coming up with something, you know, like when you find somebody who has weed on them, you know, making them destroy it, making them smash their bong themselves that they just bought, you know, that kind of thing, and then not arresting them. But the whole concept of, okay, now uh, I'm going to get my jollies off on this, different story entirely. Yeah. There's really no good reason to use authority to get somebody... Like, if that's what you have to do to get somebody to actually be naked in front of you, is use your authority as a cop? Like, mm. like there's there's just so many other underlying issues there. You know, it. I I'm very uncomfortable about this topic. Yeah, for, to be quite honest with you, <laughs> for for those of you that haven't listened in the past, both of us have been in law enforcement. Uh, me for most of my entire career, and. I am just kind of appalled by this and I'm not going to go into any details about this, but there is a very, very personal reason why I'm not in law enforcement anymore. Um, and why I'll never do it again. And it's something very close to this. Not that I did anything. (laughs) I just want to point that out. Buck can attest. I didn't do a damn thing. (laughs) No, no, no. Raz, Raz was uh, straight as an arrow. But um, let's uh, lighten the mood a little bit, Raz. Uh, what kind of shoes do kidnappers wear? I don't know, Buck. What kind of shoes do kidnappers wear? White vans. Oh, my God. Okay, we're going back to the United Kingdom, Buck. This is being reported by Reuters. And I, I've actually, this this one has no humorous aspects to it, okay? I'm, I'm going to be straight up with you. This has no humorous aspects to it. The next one will. A devil-packed British teen found guilty of murdering sisters in bid to win lottery. A British teenager was found guilty on Tuesday of murdering two sisters as part of a pact he believed he made with the demonic forces to kill at least six women every six months in exchange for a future lottery win. Daniel Hussein, now 19, stabbed to death 
uh, Biba Henry, 46, and Nicole Salesman, 27, in a savage attack in the country park in northwest London in June of last year after he celebrated after they had celebrated Henry's birthday with friends. Hussein had carried out the murders to fulfill his side of a contract with the demon Mighty Lord Lucifage Rofakal? I don't know. Uh, when he signed with his own blood, promising to perform a minimum of six sacrifices every six months for as long as I am free and physically capable. Hussein wrote that he hoped that he'd be rewarded to win the Mega Millions Super Jackpot, and police found three lottery tickets he had bought after the murders. I am totally convinced, and my dream... Wait a minute. I am totally convinced, and my team are that we would have gone on to commit more murders. What the hell? Uh, it is difficult for any person to comprehend. It is almost sort of movie-like. Close sisters Henry and Salman had gone to Wembley's Ferrant Park. I cannot... These British names, man. <laughs> the only ones, only ones worth are the, the ones in Ireland. Uh, to celebrate with his friends, but stayed alone into the early hours. They took 150 photos, Harding said, with the last haunting picture showing them sideways in what police believe was the arrival of Hussein. He stabbed Henry eight times, and salesman suffered 28 wounds after putting up very brave fight. After the murders, he dragged the bodies into the woodland where he, uh, they were found intertwined in the following day by uh, salesman's boyfriend. Hussein, who lived with his mother, was traced by bloodstains found at the scene and was arrested almost four weeks later. They believe only a hand injury he suffered during the murders prevented him from carrying on further killings. Oh, my Lord. Uh, when detectives searched the house, they found his contract and lottery tickets. There were also satanic symbols and handwritten books of spells, including one to make women find him attractive. Hussein denied involvement throughout, claiming to be an elaborate conspiracy, but a jury in London's Old Bailey Court found him guilty of murder and was sentenced and will be sentenced at a later date. Police say it was unclear how he became fascinated with the occult. Officers knew that he had accessed the dark web but could not gain access to his accounts as he refused to give them the passwords. He also had an iPad, which they could not unlock. Material that they could, they could see showed that he chatted with others online but was uh, more to do with love spells, the police told reporters. Harding described Hussein as planning to go to a summer camp in the United States as a very arrogant young man, but otherwise unremarkable. He had been diagnosed with autism, but had no involvement with mental health services. The teenager, who detectives said had shown evidence of some far-right thoughts, was referred by his school in 2017 to Brit Britain's counter-extremism uh, program, but was discharged with no further uh, outstanding concerns following the year the following year to compound the victim's suffering uh, two police officers were charged with misconduct in public uh, for taking inappropriate photos at the murder scene and sharing them on whatsapp uh, the victim's mother uh, mina salesman a retired church of england archdeacon thanked the police on tuesday for helping bring hussein to justice today we remember our girls as wonderful strong women they were we hope that they will come out of some good will come out of this horrible story, she told reporters. I'd have taken those fucking lottery tickets. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your first comment after hearing this? 
and, I've got and nothing I'm, else constructive to say. And I'm and the I sick, can. twisted fuck? <laughs> no, it's a, you know what? Again, it's an awkward situation. I'm relying on the fact that I'm in a wheelchair to get away with saying silly shit like that. <sighs> well, you can't. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh, you know, this is uh, this this is just fucked up. I mean, this is really what it comes down to. I mean, this this dude wrote his like. Uh, I don't even know really what to say to this. I'd have taken them fucking lottery tickets. That's what I say because I don't know what else to say. But you know what? I mean, it's a contract. With who? Who's who? <laughs> I don't know. It's got a signature on it. It's got his. It might pay out. It's got his <laughs> signature. Where's the other one? <laughs> it's not. It's not countersigned. It's not legal. <laughs> to be determined. All I know is that you know what? This guy deserves every bad thing that happens to him from here until the end of his life. He, he truly you know? does. Now, I, I do want to touch on one thing at the end of the article, though, where it says that um, two officers were discharged. Or they say they're discharged or charged. I can't remember. Um, they were charged with misconduct in public office for taking inappropriate photographs at the murder scene and sharing them on WhatsApp. But WhatsApp's a chat program, so it was probably a, a group chat between the officers. And... Uh, the, the, Without knowing many details about it, I did have a conversation with somebody uh, just this week about the medical profession being very similar to law enforcement. And one of the biggest things that people fail to comprehend is, you know, I'm sometimes called a sick, twisted fuck because some of the shit that comes out of my mouth. And it's not because I'm, like, mentally disturbed. It's the same thing that most people that are involved in uh, the fire service is an EMS, an EMS uh, law enforcement, and the medical profession uh, kind of get throughout their careers. And it's dark humor that is used as a coping mechanism for what you're seeing. Do you want to see the bodies of two women that were brutalized and stabbed close to 40 times? I've seen someone stabbed five or six times, and it is horrible. You know, seeing the, the human body filleted open is not something I wish on anyone. It is not something that you easily, you know, see and walk away from. Uh, you you end up developing a coping mechanism, and a lot of times that is just you make jokes, whether they're inappropriate or not. I mean, it's you hear jokes when we're learning CPR in prisons uh, or in law enforcement in general. That, you know, we're going to do inmate CPR and they put their foot on the mannequin and push it up and down. And it's it's inappropriate. I've seen people actually get written up for that. But the thing about it is, is if someone does need CPR, I've never seen anybody not do it. I think that there's still one of the training dummies that we use back at the prison that has my cell phone number written on the back of its head. <laughs> Why? Just talking about inappropriate humor uh, call me call me <laughs> <laughs> but you know so yeah should they have should they have done it no but you know you, that's just something I want people to understand um, if you 
ever hear of like cops making fun of something that happened. It's not because they're they think it's funny. It's just they're literally trying to cope with what they're seeing in most cases. Just want to throw that out there. I can personally attest to the fact that getting stabbed fucking hurts. And uh thank God you, you were know. here, Buck. We wouldn't have understood that. <laughs> yeah. And and you know I can see like I'm I, I I agree with your with your assertion there, Raz, is that it's a coping mechanism. You know, if I I would I would I would try to do something to lighten the mood too. I really would. Well let's you try know, let's... seeing some, seeing something like that you either you either gotta go with it or or eh, whatever. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Well, let's try to lighten the mood a little bit. This is reporting by thesun.com. The Sun is a news uh, agent. It's called the U.S. Sun, but it's actually a U.K. company. Uh, this is titled, Something to Moan About. Furious locals complain villages peace and quiet shattered by screaming and moaning from Swingers Festival. <laughs> 400 swingers took part in a four-day sex fest that included a mobile dungeon and bondage demos. The happy campers descended on the fields near Grantham, Lincolnshire, on Friday to take part in a swingathon, which was almost canceled last week after organizers claimed it was too much hassle. Hot tubs, a naked singer, fetish demos, and a Miss and Mister Swingathon 2021 competition were on offer for the kinky guests at a 200-pound ticket. Couples could also enjoy adult bouncy castles, a mobile dungeon, a wet t-shirt competition, and sleep in a four-person yurt, all said to be COVID-compliant. But unconfirmed reports suggest that the limited coronavirus guidelines were in place at the festival, including a lack of social distancing and hygiene facilities. The What's On Guide for the Adult-Only Camp, planned from Tuesday to Sunday, lists other activities such as face painting, burlesque, cigar bars, and a Lincoln Park tribute band. According to the Swingathon website, there is also a BDSM demo, a sweet bar, outdoor cinema, and clay pigeon shooting. This sounds like a hell of a cool party! (laughs) Yeah. The event is able to go ahead due to relaxed covid restrictions under the latest government guidelines number of people who can attend the event is determined by how many visitors a venue can safely accommodate large-scale events can take place outside covid secure venues such as in a garden or private home regardless of the type of venue restrictions on face covering social distancing table serving and singing and dancing must be observed one guest said the event hidden among the fields off of the a52 is being heavily patrolled by security guards there is a lack of loos and washing facility and social distancing, so it isn't safe, uh, he explained. Everyone was asked to take a test, so that, so that doesn't worry me. It's all pretty well spaced out. A man who answered the phone on the number uh, connected to the event website said on Friday, I don't have to tell you anything. After a meet and greet on Friday, Randy Guess headed to the beach party today. Uh, guests were asked to take a lateral flow test 48 hours before arriving at the site the ticketed event is only open to swingers who have a who have three personal verifications on fab swingers profile the website said ticket holders were only given the location after booking and can only leave for emergency reasons according to information provided online Uh, a spokesman for northern 
Kesteven District Council said a license application was correctly issued for a bar and regulated entertainment up to 11 p.m. in association for what is described as a private camping for a private camping club. So, so long as the event is conducted within restrictions of the temporary event notice in place, this is a lawful manner, and there is nothing more the council can do in respect of this event. Ultimately, the event organizer is responsible for ensuring the event is compliant and runs safely. I want to go to England. <laughs> they got cigar bars. They got a they got a, uh, clay pigeon shoot, outdoor setup. This this is awesome. And they have a Lincoln Park tribute band, dude. What more could you ask for? A bounce house. They do have a bouncy house. I know, and it's epic. I'm, dude. I'm already googling prices for flights to England. I want to go to what, what is it? Swingathon? Yeah, Swingathon 2020 or 2022. We we could do a live. We could do a live show from there. Uh, if we couldn't find a social liability to cover at a swingers convention, I don't know where we could. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, check us out next year for, at Swingathon 2022. <laughs> we're gonna have our own booth and everything. Uh, yeah, I think I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go. I'm gonna contact the organizers, and I say next year podcast social liability. We're there. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe we can even get free tickets. <laughs> this episode of the Social Liability Podcast sponsored by Swingathon. Swingathon for all your swinger needs. <laughs> Oh, it's like a carnival, but more fun and more dangly bits. Yep. Did you know I was a carny? Yeah. Look at look at that face. Did you know I was a carny? Uh, when I when I was like fifteen, better, when I was like better, fifteen, the better question, <laughs> the better question is: Are you surprised that I was a carny? No, no, I'm not surprised. When I was Did like, I know you were a carny. No. When I was like 15, I ran away with the circus. <laughs> I really did. I met your mother. I don't blame you. This is true. Uh, but there, there was a, there was a fair that came to town every year. Big freaking event. Big event. And a lot of us would go around and ask the the games and stuff and the rides as they were setting up. Hey, you gonna need any help this week? And uh, you know, we'd get like 50 bucks a day. Which cash, you know, as a kid, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, at the end of the week, they're like, hey, we're going to this town. You want to come with us? <laughs> That's how I spent my summer. I was going around and working in a balloon booth, <laughs> popping balloons with darts. And one of the things I did all day long, just in case you're wondering, was that when we were slow, I'd take the new darts and I'd th- keep throwing them into a block of wood over and over and over again to dull them. And if anybody asked what I was doing, I was just bored. Yeah. So those games are rigged, just so you know. In case you in case someone says, No, they're not rigged. Yes, they are. I should have been you should have been throwing them into the freaking asphalt, man. <laughs> Dude, people darts look like elf shoes. <laughs> like <laughs> Oh jeez. Uh that is unfortunately all the stories we have this week, folks. So, uh, if you enjoyed what you listened to, make sure you subscribe, uh, tell a friend, and come back next week because we do this each and every week, and we've been doing it for fifty-eight weeks in a row, Buck. Fifty-eight yep. weeks. We haven't missed a single episode yet. I'm, I'm rather no, impressed. No, we haven't, by us. man. I'm impressed by us. 
<laughs> Me too, man. We even we even like recorded in advance for our vacation. I mean, like we're we're committed to this. I I, I I recorded one time from a hotel room. I mean, it's <laughs> so when I was moving across the country, we actually filmed it or recorded rather. It was just an audio version. We didn't do the video version in a, in a hotel room that had um, less than it was a it was a it was a nasty room. <laughs> So make sure you tell a friend, listen to us every week. And if you want to leave a review, our reviews are awesome. We love reading those. And we usually read them live on air. So that being said, folks, yeah. I am the Raz Grease for my co-host, the Buck Rundle, wishing you a happy week. And we'll see you next week on the Social Liability Podcast. Yeah.